0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and I'm so glad you're here with me today. It is a gorgeous fall day here on the East Coast of the United States. We're having an Indian summer. So I don't know where you are, but it is absolutely gorgeous, and I just love the sunshine. I am the founder and chief love officer at Last First Date, and my mission is to help women and some men achieve healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of their lives. And there's so much negativity at this age. There's so many people who've given up hope and I want to restore that hope because people do find love. And actually, today on the show, we're going to be talking about a, a, a love story. Um, we have Dee, Dee Marks. She is an author, and she is going to be talking about her new book, Beyond Believing. It's an inspiring story to awaken the heart. And I have read it, and I agree. It is very inspiring. We need inspiration, guys. We cannot give up on love. So as a dating coach, I love helping people um own their value. Really, that's one of the keys to finding love is to know yourself, love yourself, and um and know your boundaries and boy, boundaries are huge. I have been given many challenges in boundary setting in the last few weeks and um I think that when we can set clear boundaries with people, we are asserting our value and that is so important. So Don't be afraid to say no to things that do not align with your true values, with who you are, with your needs, your values. You need to make that come first and do not compromise on that. So there are a lot of things that I find that people do over and over again that are sabotaging their success at dating and relationships. And so what I've done is I've compiled a Free guide for you guys, um, in which I outline the top three mistakes that midlife daters make in dating and how to turn them around so you can find lasting love. And it is my gift to you. So if you want a copy, all you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage. And I also have something really exciting to announce. Last week, I started a new Facebook group. It's for women over 40 and single women over 40, and it's called Your Last First Date, Your Last First Date. It is free for anybody to join. I decided I wanted to create a big tribe of people who are all looking for support in dating and relationships, um, people over 40 and women over 40. So sorry, guys, I don't have a group for you yet, but any single ladies who want to join, please Asked to join the group, Your Last First Date, and I will approve you, and you'll be in the group and you'll start joining into our conversation, which is vibrant and alive and exciting. Because I want you all to go on Your Last First Date. You've heard that before. Now, let me introduce my fabulous guest today. Her name is Dee Dee Marks, and she's a contemporary romantic fiction writer a blogger, and a lover of all things social. She's a graduate of the University of Dayton, as well as the Second City program in Chicago, where she currently resides. She's a proud aunt and a self-described hopeless romantic. I sometimes call that a hopeful romantic. Marks has always had a knack for humorous and engaging storytelling, and her pen name is dedicated to her beloved friend, Dan, who continues to guide and inspire her in her daily life? Welcome to the show, Dee Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show, and thank sure, you for sure. writing that book, uh, Beyond Believing. And um, so, let's talk a little bit about the book and about the facts. We'll start with sure. your pen name um, and the fact sure. that it's a dedication to Dan. So. Can you tell us a little bit about the the real Dan and what inspired yeah. you to write this book? Sure.
0: So um, I lost my friend Dan, um, who was this amazing, charismatic, lovable teddy bear. Um, when I was 23 years old, he was also 23, we were, you know, best of friends in high school. We were, never had a romantic relationship, but... When he passed away, it was an extreme tragedy in my life, as you can imagine, and i only lost, you know, grandparents into that point in my life, but so never lost anybody close to me or somebody my age that had their whole life ahead of them. And, um, you know, I grieved. It's been over 20 years now, and I still mourn his loss and think about him. I mean, obviously, it's gotten easier over the years, but um, we still, as a group of friends, keep his honor you know his memory alive by honoring him at certain different activities throughout the year um with his parents and his family and I think that this book you know it kind of came to me at a crossroads in my life where I found myself without a job and for the first time in my life, and I was forty and I was like what what am I going to do like I don't want to necessarily do this for twenty five more years before I retire." I just really dug deep and tried to figure out what my passion was, and so I chose to start writing. And so when I started writing this book, I didn't write it as a memoir or a biography because, you know, I'm nobody special, no offense to myself, but um, nobody would (laughs) want to pick up my personal story, right? So I decided to write it as a fictional author, and that way I can embellish and change things and characters, and there is a lot of fiction in the book. But a lot of it is based on my personal journey. So, But the reader doesn't know um, which those parts are. So when I came up with the, the pen name, it was because, you know, I've lived a corporate life for 25 years. And I wanted to keep, you know, myself anonymous and be known as a writer in the rest of the world and still keep my personal life personal and corporate life corporate. So... Um, the natural name came to me. The first letter of my first name is D. And then Dan's name was Daniel. His middle name was Mark. And I changed the K to an X for Flair. And it just kind of rolls hmm. off the tongue. And um, it's a name that people will remember. So um, I'm glad that I did it.
1: Yeah, it's a great name. Um, and it's funny that um, I had a friend when, right before I got married, um, I, may, I became really close to a guy whose nickname was Dee. and hmm. he got that name from a babysitter, no, yeah, I think they had a babysitter who was Chinese, and and Dee meant little brother in Chinese or something, hmm. I don't know, That's it was this cute. crazy thing, and his real name was nothing like Dee. but it stuck with him his whole life, and so, yeah, he's like the only other Didi that I know, so it's... It's interesting. Um yeah. but I love the name and I think it is it is a good um it's a good name to remember and and I think it's interesting that you separated out your corporate life from your new life as a storyteller mm-hmm. and um and I think also you know this comes up a lot with social uh social media. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I I'm a person who's out there publicly i write for many big publications and i'm pretty opinionated and and i'm dating and so i try to keep my personal life separate from my professional mm-hmm. life and sometimes right. they collide and <laughs> um and people make up stuff too but i remember years ago somebody said um, he looked me up and he said i don't i don't want i don't want a dating coach and i said I'm not looking to coach you, I'm looking to date, <laughs> looking you. To date you. But yes. yes. So so it's interesting and I think that sometimes it is really important to separate out the different parts of ourselves and uh so are you still are you still in the corporate world at all or are you totally separated out from there?
0: So unfortunately, I I haven't made enough money yet that I can call writing a full time career, but that's of course the objective um so no, I do still have a full time job, and you know it does it is totally separate. I do the writing in my personal time, but it allowed me you know there's so many things i don't know if you've worked in the corporate world, but there's so many things that happen in the corporate world that are writing worthy, <laughs> so I was like, I can't mm. give up all this material you know that I've gone through in twenty years in a career and leave that on the table. It absolutely needs to be part of my story. So I didn't want anybody mm-hmm. to take offense to anything or be like, is that me or is that my situation? So that's why I wrote it fictionally so that I can embellish and, you know, use different characters and different scenarios, but still kind of get to the same outcome that I've maybe experienced in my own life.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the critical things about writing about your real life is that you write about people and some people get really offended. And mm-hmm. so when you fictionalize them, that's why that's why I was just telling you before we started that I'm writing a novel for the first time and it's fiction. And mm-hmm. it freed me. It it really freed me to write about my life in a way that I never could because I was always yeah. afraid of offending people. So I yeah. think maybe I'll get a pen name and you're giving me lots of good yes. ideas here. <laughs> Let me All know right. if you need I, help. I, I, I'll I it. might. <laughs> um okay, so what I loved about this love story is that it, it, it sort of it really felt <clears throat> felt real. Um so actually, can you give us a little synopsis for people who have not read the book? Um just sure. really kind of the the brief story about what happened.
0: Sure. And first, I should mention, I'm not sure that you know that it is a series. It's a trilogy. So this is just the first mm-hmm. book in the series, and there will be two more coming. So, um, you know, I get asked a lot how I came up with a trilogy, but when I started writing the story, I wanted to really talk about two specific characters from a ma- from a female and a male perspective. And I was realizing that I couldn't cover as much time as I wanted to and get in depth as I wanted to with the characters by only creating one book, so that's how it turned into a series, but it's essentially about these two characters, Olivia and Finn, who are living completely separate lives across the world from each other, but they're going through very similar experiences, and both of them go through this tragic event that ends up leading them to each other at the right time when they're they're finally healed and are ready for that relationship. So um, it's really a romantic story about, you know, them going through their own personal uh tragedies and you know life's challenges and then they're actually being led to one another by their deceased loved ones. So, it's um an interesting twist and it kind of makes you think that fate is really, you know, happens and that destiny is really there for you. Um so it's just a story of hope and love and you know stop looking and maybe it'll find you. And um there's two more books to come.
1: Hmm. You know, it's interesting that you said stop looking and it will find you. Um so in this new Facebook group that I started, Your Last First Date, uh there's there's a lot of hopeless talk and which is mm-hmm. common at, at this age. And and one woman posted that she's really confused because there's so much conflicting advice uh that people give her about dating and one of them is you know stop looking and he'll find you and the other one is get off your butt and keep looking <laughs> and so what's you know where do you, where do you follow what do you follow and so I, I i personally from a person who was kind of passive about dating most of my life and till i got married um i kind of you know met people serendipitously and lived in a very mm-hmm. social place in new york city and, and met a lot of people and now in the age of social media and the age of online dating and there's there's so many opportunities to meet people and also almost no opportunities to meet people in real life that you really do have to be proactive. And I think what, what I translate as the stop looking and it'll happen is stop being desperate and stop being needy yes. and it'll more yes. likely happen. And I think that's probably where that started. Because I think a lot of people go after dating as if it's a mission and it's the, you know, be all and end all and life will end if you do not find somebody. And that is not true.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think that the key to it is really focusing on yourself and what your passions are. And if you start pursuing your passions, then that's likely where you'll meet a mate who has similar interests and, it'll just happen naturally versus trying to find a needle in a haystack and an online dating site or something to that nature. So I agree. Mm-hmm. It's just about self-love and figuring out what you want
1: out of life
0: and living that life and then letting it just find you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important to love your life and to live yeah. a passionate life. And one of my clients wants to write a book, in fact, and, um, she's looking for love and i said let's get you writing that book because that's going to make you a happier person which will make you much more appealing as a as a partner um mm-hmm. so i'm supporting her in that area too because i think we have to we have to not put things off and you know like you were at a crossroads and you chose to do, to do something that's your passion and i really give you a lot of credit for that because a lot of people never do it mm-hmm. they're too scared Um, It is scary. It's scary to take a risk and put yourself out there. Absolutely, Um, yes. But what you did was also smart because you didn't give up your day job yet. And have you read Big Magic yet by Liz Gilbert?
0: No, I have not.
1: So she writes about the creative process, and she said she did not give up her day job until after E-Pray Love hit the big time. And oh, she had yeah. told a lot of stuff. She really did not ever want her art to be responsible for her her happiness. And in, in other words, like if you are making your art also make be be your living, then mm-hmm. you get angry at your art, and you will oh, possibly yeah. you know write from a place of scarcity instead of a place of joy and abundance. Yes, I so couldn't agree
0: more. And when mm-hmm. I started my process i um you know i didn't have i didn't go the traditional publishing route I ended up doing self publishing and I'm with a a publisher that's a hybrid publisher so they do use the traditional bookstore channel, but I didn't have the pressure of deadlines and timelines and I wrote the story that I wanted to write, and of course it had to be edited and whatnot and I had to get a lot of feedback mm-hmm. but I didn't limit myself. I just told the story I wanted to tell, and I was like, it's either going to be good or it's not going to be good. People are either going to read it Mm. or they're not going to read it, but at least it's out there and it's the story that was in my heart and that helped me heal, really.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's actually, I love that, because that's the feeling that I'm getting as I'm writing now, that Mm -hmm. it's cathartic. There's something about um, the process of it, and what I'm doing in my book is I'm, I am. It's called the Love Optimist, and I'm going back in time to my very first relationship and how it set the tone for the rest of my life. You know, and it's it's um, because that's really what I teach women is to really find the patterns that we create through. If we don't break it, we still keep dating the same person with a different face and. Um so it can be very healing to do to do the work for yourself whether it's through writing or through journaling or for, through anything um working with a therapist um it's all part of the process Absolutely. So let's talk let's talk about um which parts of the book from like feedback from what, from readers what are you hearing from people in terms of which parts resonate the most for people
0: So it's interesting. Um, The channel that I've used the most to help um, promote the book is I've done a lot of book clubs because it it was a light summer read, so I positioned it that way, and a lot of people picked it up for their book clubs. And so, if they were local or even a few that weren't local, I went and attended those book clubs because I really wanted the feedback from people. It's almost like a free focus group to find out what did you like, what did you not like, or what would you like to hear more of, so that I can include it in the next two novels. So. I think what's resonating most with people is that everybody has lost a loved one. in some form or fashion in their life. And, you know, it's, death is a scary topic and things that, you know, it's very personalized, but I've made it so that um, I've kind of highlighted the fact that if you keep yourself open to the universe or to the beyond, that you will get signs and symbols from your loved ones where you can feel this comfort and guidance from above. And, You know, I've been receiving it for 20-plus years, and it brings me a tremendous amount of comfort. And so it's helped open up that conversation. So a lot of these book clubs are like, oh, you know, my mom passed away, and I see butterflies all the time, and I thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody picks up different signs and symbols. But I think if other people talk about it and they say it's okay, they don't look or feel like a weirdo by saying, you know, I feel like I hear from my mom, too, or my dad or my sister or brother. So I think that's the thing that has really um, been common amongst all these book clubs is um, the connection
1: to deceased loved ones. Mm, that's interesting. And I love the butterfly reference that you use about seeing a butterfly because that seems to be so common. It's yes, fascinating to me. I, I have a Former client who her mother was represented butterflies. She had butterfly pins, tons of them. And wow. when she passed away, they all the whole family would wear her pins. And and also, I think when her father died recently, she saw a butterfly on the like on the ground as they were walking. Like it was all these just signs that they had, yeah. you know, mom is here and right. Um, yeah, that's and I've read point. many yeah. stories. Yeah, I, mean, I think the butterfly is just an interesting symbol um, to me. That was the name of my first um, coaching company was was um, chrysalis because oh, I wow. I felt that I yeah I, I just that's that whole symbol of coming out of your cocoon and and yes. living, that we can we can also metamorphosize at any point in our lives and and. That's what you've done, too, by taking on the writing. I think that people think that we're all cooked and set, and life is done, yeah. and you know, but when you see that life life is change is possible um at any age, and romance is possible at any age, and all these themes in the book, which are really beautiful and I totally totally agree with um I think that they are important messages for people, absolutely. So how how long did it take you to write this book? I'm just curious. So, you know, the hardest
0: part was just starting. You know, you've know, never written a book before. What's the first line? And what I like to tell people is because I wrote it from two different perspectives, a male and a female character, that it gave me a lot of freedom to jump around in the story. So I didn't write it. In a linear fashion, I really wrote based on my mood. And I think that that's the most important thing to teach people is that there are no rules about writing. And, you know, you might scrap it tomorrow, but today this is what you're feeling, or you may not put it in that chapter, but in a future chapter. Um, so I played around a lot with it and I, I didn't limit myself. And I would say that it took me in time about nine months but if I condensed the actual amount of time that it took me to write and re-edit it only took me about 30 days and I think it was because it was a story that was in my heart for 20 years and it literally just poured out of me and you know I would go back and read it and be like did I I really just write that you know so I feel like the, the writing is also being guided by my friend Dan and he's constantly triggering things in my mind to say oh that would be a good storyline or I need to mention that but so I would keep a pen and a piece of paper with me and my iPhone notepad and I take notes all the time about things I want to talk about or include in the next book but um yeah I don't but you know I haven't really started I'm only you know a fifth of the way through my second book and I haven't written in a couple months so it goes in spurts right where you feel creative and then times where you're just busy and you don't pick it up. So it really just varies, I think.
1: Hmm. I love the no rules part because I actually was stuck with with like, oh, my God, I forgot to put a table of contents. And I had already written like 2,000 words. And I was just like, where am I going? I don't even know. (laughs) And then I went back and then I added it. And then I thought, well, I don't have to stick to that. And then I was thinking but I want to get to the part that happens like 20 years later. So I think I'm going to write that next, even though there's a whole piece that's going to be missing. But if I do that, I may end up lopping off the whole first part of the book and just taking the last part of the book. Who knows, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the biggest problem, like people, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I think that's that's the beauty of it is that it's your personal project and we tend to sabotage ourselves from starting things because we want it to be perfect. Yes. yes, perfect is the death of creativity. <laughs> um, so you should actually join the National Novel Writing Month that I'm part of, because if if you want to, it just started on Sunday, and
0: that oh, might wow. get
1: you to finish your book um, yes. in 30 days, because you did it in 30 days. Um I know. And if you have the accountability of like 300,000 people who are writing their novels this month, that's how many have signed up. Wow. Wow. Um, there are meetups. I mean, you could you could like sit in a library with a bunch of people and meet cool people and um,
0: yeah yeah. I, I highly recommend it. It was. It, it, it was yeah. I said I was definitely yeah. interested in learning more about it.
1: Yeah. No, I I recommend it. I think it's a it's a fun thing. Um, so who who do you draw your inspiration from as a writer? So. I
0: you know that's a it's so many different places um you know friends family people that inspire me and, and one of the things that I noticed once I opened myself up to okay I'm going to start writing I started going to conferences I was almost like a sponge like how do I do this who do I talk to that's done this that can help me and in my in my corporate life I'm a project manager so of course I thought of this as Okay, well I'm gonna need, you know, an editor and I'm gonna need a printer and I'm gonna need a cover designer and I'm gonna you know, so I was thinking about it in all sorts of pieces and parts and I found um a company that was able to kind of marry all those things together for me in one place. Um, but I've gone to all these conferences and I've met all these amazing people that have done amazing things and you just open yourself and expose yourself to this whole other world of like minded people that you never knew existed and I think they help keep the flame going and encourage you. But in general, in my life, you know, my family and my friends, and I've been fortunate enough to have some really great career mentors that are more life mentors, really, than career-focused because they know me at a very personal level, so they know how to kind of, um, you know, pick out the things that are holding me back and encourage me to, you know, stop getting in my own way and go for it and, um it's really really helped me move past the fear and into action
1: mm. yeah that fear is a killer <laughs> yeah. fear um. and
0: perfection are the two killers of creativity
1: Yes, it is, and fear <laughs> is all in our heads. There's nothing, like, you're not going to die if you start writing, for the most yeah. part, unless you have a heart attack. But, you know, yeah. it, most people do not do not have, like, a stab wound that kills them from taking a pen to paper. <laughs> um, and I, I think what you mentioned about having mentors is, is critical, and I, I know that as a business owner, one of the things that I learned um, is that you have to have support. People think you can, you have to do it all alone, yeah. and it's lonely to do it all alone, and there's no need to do it all alone, and there are tons of people who are there to cheer you on and support you, and um, so I think people really should pay attention. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah, I mean, I just heard this yesterday from another coach. She said, I just have so much to do, and I can't do it all, and I'm like, why are you doing it all? You know, who, yeah. who else can help you, you know, delegate, exactly. um, get support, you know, how many people have you hired who could look at your business and, and take a look and step back and say, here's what you're doing well, here's what you're not, you know, same with a book. It's, you know, somebody who can edit it really well is, can make the whole book. I mean, yeah. I read a lot of books for this radio show and I can tell when they've had a really good editor and when they yeah. haven't um, because I've seen people who write emails to me after writing a gorgeous book, and their emails are illiterate, so yes. um, yeah, yeah, obviously good editor, really good editor um so that's key, so in one our last things, few minutes, yes,
0: I was just gonna say so one, one of the things, things that I did because I'm working full time is i um I hired an intern from my college who was um majoring in the same thing that I did. And she's doing a lot of the legwork for me since I don't have a lot of time. So people should even, you know, try to seek out potentially free resources that can are looking for that experience that can help them with day-to-day tests that, you know, um, might be too much for you.
1: Mm, that's a great idea. Um, so uh, tell people how they can find your book, how they can find you. You have a website. Sure. So my website is ddmarx, M-A-R-X,
0: dot com, no spaces. And on my website, you know, there's some history about me. I have a blog, and you can download a free chapter of my book. You can also order it on my website, or you can find me on Amazon.com in um, and Barnes and & Noble. And all my social media channels are listed on my website, so anybody, feel free to connect to me. Um, I am pretty active socially in my... Um, for my fans, so I would love to meet and have new followers.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show. I hope I hope the listeners will go out and search this Beyond Believing and, um, and hope it inspires people to know that, that love is possible and uh, they should keep on believing. So thank you so much, Didi.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yes. And thank you all for listening today, and I hope that you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.